Hi. There's a gun on It's the quiet car. Got to use your small inside voice in here, son. There's a gun. God. I am ready. You are getting the new and improved me. Because if you put peace out in the world, you get peace back. I think you might be forgetting what you do for a living. Take the gun. Every job I do, somebody dies. I'm not that guy anymore. Some conflicts require a gun. Hey, this is nice. Okay, what am I snatching and or grabbing? A briefcase. You said you wanted simple for your first job back. Doesn't get simpler. You stab me? Yeah! We'll ruin your life the way you ruin mine. Dude, I don't even know you! There's nothing simple about this job. Something else going on here. Yeah, I'm not the only one on this train looking for this case. Evan, mm. where's the briefcase? Oh, it's not shit. It was just there. We are right on schedule. Everything that's ever happened to you. This is gonna sting, bitch! Oh. Has led you here. Fate. That's a shit deal. Oh, no, thank you. You know what? Do you have um, anything sparkling? That's the one. Thank you. Domo arigato. Sure you want to talk this out? Not particularly, no. Uh, okay. Exclusively in movie theaters. Welcome to an all-new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. And on deck for today's episode, I'm going to talk about the new film, Bullet Train, starring Brad Pitt from director David Leach, the guy behind Deadpool 2, Atomic Blonde, Hobbs and Shaw. He was one of the co-directors of the first John Wick movie. You'll get my thoughts on that as I saw it in IMAX tonight. Um, You're going to get my thoughts on one of the biggest uh, stories Coming out of Hollywood this week, kind of like unprecedented. I'll leave it as a tease, but that'll be the final thing I talk about. But I wanted to open up with this. So as I mentioned in the previous episode, the wrestling landscape was really about to change because we were about to enter a world of professional wrestling where Vince McMahon is no longer head of WWE. He's no longer CEO. He's no longer behind creative. And he's been doing this for over 40 plus years, folks. So that's all most of us have ever known in the wrestling world. All of us diehards. And of course the mainstream. There was a time where wrestling was really mainstream to the public. So I think for the most part, Vince McMahon is a well-known uh, celebrity uh, in the mainstream. But 
scandals with what's standing and, and all that going on. Uh, he had to resign from his position. And what was it going to look like? So we know who's going to take over the company business side of things. So you have co-CEOs in Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon, the daughter of Vince. Um, and she's married to Paul Levesque, who's, who was the wrestler Triple H. And he's going to take over the creative side of things, the storylines. Now, how is that going to look? Now, SummerSlam just passed, and that was the first show where he was really in full control of um, of how the show was presented. The matches and storylines leading up to it, that was all Vince. So you still have the residue of that. But SummerSlam was a very, very entertaining show. It was presented in a way that kind of like you could tell there was little differences uh, as if it were you know, like you could tell it wasn't Vince McMahon running it. And, and it, it was a very positive thing. You know, the matches were given time. Uh, there wasn't really, you know, schmas finishes. There wasn't a lot of bullshit going on in the matches or just any type of dumb shenanigans that just didn't make any sense. Uh, we had debuts. Um, specifically, we had the debuts of uh, Dakota Kai and Io Sky, the former Io Shirai uh, from NXT. And these were two that had been in NXT for the very longest time. And I think also Dakota Kai was get, getting a little bit of a tryout up onto the main roster a couple of months ago. Um, and Vince McMahon didn't, you know, approve or see anything in her and she ended up being released. Now, we didn't know what was going to happen to Io Shirai at the time. Uh, it's like if she wasn't going to get a main roster contract, she was probably just going to head back, back home overseas. Um, so to see them return and know that they weren't really in Vince McMahon's plans just goes to show that now Triple H is officially in charge. And it was one of the biggest stories coming out of SummerSlam, along with the return of Bayley, um, starting this heel faction and the return of Becky Lynch as a baby face after her trilogy of matches with Bianca Belair has completed. They had a great rivalry. They had a great finish off to their feud at SummerSlam. Um, so now she's going to be a baby face again. And that was a total Triple H decision. Vince McMahon was going to keep her a heel despite the fact that she had been really fighting the crowd when she was doing this heel run. You know, there was a, of course, she's still like a very beloved character in WWE. So you can't help. There's going to be a lot of people that cheer for her. So she had to try really hard to get the audience to turn against her, which she, she, she was good for the most part, but in the back of everybody's minds, like, you know, we all want to cheer her as that huge baby face. Uh, when she, you know, had her rise in late 2018 and, and rode it all the way through 2019. So a lot of positives out of that. But what everybody was really looking forward to, you know, I mean, obviously everyone was looking forward to SummerSlam. For the most part, it was like a, an A show in my eyes and everybody online and all the tweets that I saw was a very, very positive, um, reaction to the show. So, we're off to a good start. So now it's like kind of like starting fresh. Like where are we going to take all the storylines now that everything's wrapped up at SummerSlam, the second biggest show of the year. Everything's done there. So we come to Monday Night Raw. And, of course, this is highly anticipated. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about actually watching Raw, which hasn't really been the case in many, many years. You know, it's a three-hour show. 
Um, sometimes it's a very long to sit through it. It's even long to sit through it when you're there live. I haven't even gone to a Monday Night Raw. I can't tell you the last time I went because when I did, you could feel the length and you can feel the shows weren't strong uh, creatively. Immediately, you saw a huge difference Monday night with longer matches and even focus on the men and the women. It was a very even keel show. So Triple H is on the right path here. Um, you're starting to see some different superstars get kind of a, a push, uh, more of importance on the secondary titles like the United States Championship that had like a little mini, I don't want to say tournament, but just like two qualifying matches and then one final match to determine a number one contender. No, no more of these like sloppy, like just straight up contenders matches or yeah, something like that where they would have the, the person whoever Vince wanted to push and they would pin the champion and that's what gets them a championship match. No, I like the old school way of booking where you have people qualify. You have them win different types of matches to earn the right to challenge a champion. So that'll be good for Monday Night Raw on, on their side of things because right now they don't have the, the main undisputed WWE Universal Championship that's on SmackDown with Roman Reigns. So this is a good focus for Monday Night Raw. They'll have a title that they can elevate and right now you have a champion in Bobby Lashley, a guy like in stature, he's got that look and he's got the, um, you know, the, pretty much the wrestling ability to carry a championship like that. So, um, and he'll be facing Ciampa, who was again, one of those guys that was in NXT. And then he, he was brought up to the main roster, but he's kind of like, hasn't been doing anything. He's just been, uh, just a sidekick to the Miz of all people. And Tommaso Ciampa, is one of the great wrestlers to come out of NXT and one of the great characters also. Like he had some tremendous feuds, uh, in NXT. So to see him get big wins on Monday night. So he got two, right? Cause he had to win his, his qualify, first qualifying match. And then he won the final one against a guy like AJ Styles, who's super, you know, just credible and he's got all the accolades. He's got the championships. He's got, He's main evented a lot of shows. You know, he's a big time player. So for Ciampa to get a win like that, again, that goes to show that you can really tell Triple H is in charge of this ship. And it's going to be very exciting. It was a very, very well put together show. A lot of uh, focus on the in-ring product. There was a lot of, you know, stuff that made sense. There was coherent stuff. There wasn't any of the silliness, like the 24-7 title. I believe this is the second straight week where we didn't see any of that. And this was like a Vince McMahon thing. Um, and it was just super goofy and cartoonish and just something completely out of date. So hopefully that's just completely phased out and we don't see it ever again. Um, so there was none of that. And everything made sense. Everything back. We had more backstage promos and, you know, interviewers talking like real human beings and not robotic. Promos felt a little bit more kind of loose. So it's a great start here. And this is what I wanted as a wrestling fan. I, I've been preaching this on this show. You know, I, I'm not one to pick one company over the other, you know, because, again, we have all elite wrestling, right? Since, you know, WWE had been struggling for so long, it's like we needed an alternative, and that came along, and it's been great, and it still is great. But I also was like, come on, like I want WWE to be good also because that just pushes both companies to put on, like, great shows. And then it's just going to create even more buzz whenever contracts of wrestlers that come up, you know, even big wrestlers, because, you know, now they're going to have the opportunity, I believe. I mean, I know Triple H still has a lot to prove, but, you know, he's done so much already in, like, less than two weeks, so 
He's making a splash. He's making a difference. He's already doing it a hell of a lot better than what Vince McMahon is doing. And not to say like Vince McMahon did it wrong completely, but I I just think like with his old age, I think he's close to 80 already. And I think he was just out of touch already. Just wasn't up to date with what modern fans and including fans like myself had been, uh, you know, I've been watching the product forever. I just felt like it was, it was out of date, needed a freshening up. And Monday Night Raw definitely saw that. Um, now I'm even more pumped for SmackDown this Friday to see what he's going to do there. You know, perhaps we'll see some more debuts and again, just more focus on, you know, the, the other titles. So there they have the Intercontinental Championship. Maybe they can elevate that again, like the United States title, even though they have the world title. But, you know, just, I just want stuff to make sense. I want characters to have a chance to shine and show their personality because you have a lot of talented wrestlers in WWE. And they just, I felt like they were restrained. Like, as I said in the previous episode, it just feels like they, they have more that they can show in, in promos and in wrestling style. So hopefully Triple H gives them that opportunity. And after having seen Summer Simon Monday Night Raw, we're on the right track. And again, wrestling is no longer stale. It's got my full attention again. The only thing that's missing in AEW is the return of CM Punk as the world champion. So that once he gets back into the mix, it's just going to be even more awesome. Um, on WWE side of things, the person I'm always obviously most behind is Becky Lynch. And I, I mentioned she just turned back into a baby face, like, you know, and baby face, for those of you that don't know the terminology, that means like a good guy, somebody that you're going to cheer and the crowd's going to go crazy for her. Um, but the only negative is that at the SummerSlam match, uh, she did separate her shoulder. Uh, much kudos to her for finishing that off because it happened early on in the match and they went on for like 20 minutes. And from what I hear, it was like very excruciating for her, but she's a total pro and total like, you know, she wants to be the best at what she does, and she proves it uh, in that women's division. I think in all of women's wrestling, she's still, like, the, you know, the one who sets the bar for everything in terms of character, in terms of wrestling, in terms of storylines. Like, she's just the entire package. Um, but she's going to be gone for a few months now, so that sucks. So my two favorites, as as I've been watching WWE uh, in this past year, had been Cody Rhodes and, of course, Becky Lynch. But now they're both gone for a little while, but... With Triple H taking this new direction and making having stuff make sense, this is going to just be good, and maybe you know we'll have some people break out. Um, again, I love Dakota Kai. I love EO Sky. That's her name. Got to get. That's a name change. We're going to have to get used to. Um, that's going to be a fun faction with uh, with Bailey as they you know try to take over the women's division on Raw, and you're getting more people in the mix. You know, it's not just you know one feud. There's going to be a lot of interconnecting people involved like you got Asuka and Alexa Bliss and of course Bianca Belair as the champion so a lot of really fun stuff to look forward to and for the first time and I I can't even remember when there's like a huge amount of optimism in terms of WWE storytelling and Triple H is coming in at a very very important time so he's knocked it out of the park with two shows already will he make it three for three this week uh you know the that's the hope right you know and not everything is going to work. Not everything is going to be perfect. And I get that. But at least the attempt is being made. That's all we can ask for is people to get opportunities, people to try things out. And again, it's not all going to land, but the stuff that does land, you got to roll with it. You know, if a crowd gets behind something, don't try to kill it in the past. Like, uh, you know, Vince McMahon would like, you know, something like a Daniel Bryan, 
You know, when he got super hot and he just didn't see him as a guy and wanted to shut that down and would, you know, kill storylines and all that, like, there can't be that anymore. You have to roll with the punches. You have to go with what the audience is uh, is favoring and, and what they're into. If not, you're just going to turn them away again. So I think Triple H understands that, and now he's got all the reins, so there's not really much he can do about it unless, you know, Stephanie gets in his ear, but... I think Stephanie understands as well where the business is today in the modern times. And I think she's going to let him do his thing. You know, I'm sure she'll be in his ear for a couple of things, you know, just to keep, you know, the spirit of her dad and, and all that to keep going, you know, the, the legacy and all that. But, you know, his his legacy is set. Obviously, it's a horrible downfall for him. But in terms of what he's given us over these last, like, 50 years in wrestling like there's a lot of great memories so he can be super proud of that and we're all i mean i'm grateful for it you know a lot of the wrestling stuff has gotten me through most of my childhood and my you know my teenage years and of course here in my adulthood i'm still watching it you know maybe not as diehard as i once was but still enough that i can say i know plenty enough about it and you know i have to thank vince mcmahon for a lot of that so yeah it is what it is exciting times triple h in control of the game from the game that's his his little moniker so it's uh fun times and i'm excited let's take a break when we come back talk about the new film bullet train starring brad pitt director david leach just opened tonight saw it at the imax you'll get my review coming up here on palace off the top rope we'll be right back stay still don't make a sound I've never seen anything like this. Multiple attacks without eating its prey. Lions don't do this. This thing is not going to stop. But you have to be careful. I promise you I'm going to protect you. Come and get me! Beast. Rated R. Only in theaters August 19th. All right, folks. Welcome back to the show. And it's time for the movie review of the week. Tonight I checked out Bullet Train starring Brad Pitt and directed by David Leach. And there's a whole assortment of characters in this movie in this cast, including Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Brian Tyree Henry, uh, Joey King, uh, an appearance by Sandra Bullock at some point. Um, but with all of that, I have to say I was very disappointed in this movie. Um, when I first heard about Bullet Train uh, coming out as a movie... And it's based on a book. And again, I don't, I'm not one of those people that I'm like, oh, like it wasn't as good as a book. Like I don't care. I, I wait for the movie. That's the kind of guy I'm, I'm a movie guy. So, you know, if you, if you hate that, uh, about me or my opinions on that, you know, eat it, whatever. Uh, I care about the movies. Um, but the premise of it, I, I thought it was going to go for a more serious take. At least that's, that was my assumption on it. And then by the time the first trailer came out, I was like, oh, okay, this this has got like vibes of shoot 'em up. Um, it was like a wacky movie, action movie with Clive Owen back from like 2006. You know, it's got all these vibes of like those like just interconnecting stories, like a Tarantino type style, um, and it had that vibe to it. Lucky Number Eleven, stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, cool, I, I could be into this. Um, like I was still excited for it. I wanted to see it. It's Brad Pitt. I'm going to give a shot in anything that he makes for the most part. Um, so by the time I sat down for this and by the time I was done with it, I was like, you know what? Like 
have I just grown up just a little bit, like, movie-wise? Because I know the 2005 version of me, like, just coming out of high school and entering college, absolutely would have loved this movie for the, you know, just the -the over-the-top violence and just the crazy cameos and the interconnecting stories, which I'm all about that. I'm all about, like, connecting, like, all these side stories into one main narrative. But all of it just felt very flat for me, and I don't I don't know what it was about it that just nothing clicked for me. And one of the worst things about this is that Brad Pitt is actually really miscast in this role. Like Brad Pitt is good as a goof. Like don't get me wrong, he's good at that. But there's like a levelness to the goofiness as he's aged, and of course, you know, we're not gonna lie here. Like Brad Pitt is like. He's kind of up there in age already, you know. He's, you know, guys like Tom Cruise and him, like, yeah, they can still do, like, action stuff. But, inter- but again, it works depending on what you're doing. Like, we saw with Top Gun Maverick. Like, yeah, that's believable what Tom Cruise is doing. What Brad Pitt was doing here in um, Bullet Train was a little bit more juvenile, you know. Kind of like he's above all that. And like I said, he's good at playing a goof. And a perfect example of how he can do it still at his age is just look at the more recent Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where he's got that maturity, but he's got that little bit of goofiness character in him. But he plays it in a way where it's like it's believable because it's his age, he's older. Here in Bullet Train, it's like he's trying to play like he's still in his 30s, you know, like in his prime. And, you know, I'm I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but I think we've kind of seen the best of Brad Pitt as far as like, prime movies like he's kind of like just up there already like i'd like to see him do more stuff like Moneyball, and you know like i said in once upon a time in hollywood he was great i mean he got the oscar for that well deserved uh i just felt here he took a step backwards and i don't know if it's like one of those you know midlife crisis kind of thing i was looking at some of the video clips from the premiere and he's kind of acting a bit goofy and kind of a little I don't want to say childish is the wrong word, but just, you know, just not his age, you know. I mean, come on, you know. I I don't think I would see, you know, Tom Cruise doing things like that on the red carpet or Leonardo DiCaprio. I just, I I don't know, just the the, the whole movie fell flat. And there's a couple of cameos in here where one of them was funny. One of them did catch me off guard and it was... It was pretty good, but the other one I just completely rolled my eyes at. And I won't spoil it here because the movie's still very fresh. Uh, just came out today. But, uh, yeah, the, the movie just didn't work for me. And I'm sure a lot of the younger crowd is going to like it because there's a lot of stuff in there. And it ties in with a lot of the Japanese, the Korean stuff, like which is very popular now in the mainstream. You know, you got the animes that do very well. We got a Dragon Ball movie coming up in our theaters that's going to do pretty awesome. It's got... Great ticket sales already. So that stuff has hit the mainstream and there's echoes of that in this movie. And then of course you got like celebrities like Bad Bunny who make like a brief appearance in this movie and that's going to attract an audience too. He's very popular and, and, and again, maybe I've just grown up a bit where like these kinds of movies, like I'm, I'm sure they could still work for me, but the story here was just to me very bland. And I know a lot of it was interconnecting and you're, I'm sure you're thinking like, wow, like, Pals, it's probably like a lot of cool stuff that brings it all together for this one giant thing in the story. And it it kind of wasn't. It was just very, very bland and plain and uninspiring. Like it just, I mean, I appreciate that it's not like a sequel or anything that, you know, 
related that had came out like years ago. You know, it was just something fresh. But just because something's fresh and, and original doesn't mean it's all going to land and work and be good. And, and, you know, I'm sure there's people that'll think that it's good and that good for them. If you enjoy the movie, that's awesome. It just didn't work for me at all. And I wanted to, and you know, because I love Brad Pitt. And uh, as far as David Leach as a director, I don't know, man. Like, he, he's going to get the buzz and all the attention, right? Because he's done the Deadpools and he's did, he did the Hobbs and Shaw and, and all that. But I don't know. I, I just think his style is more CGI and the action was just... Again, it was boring. The, the action and the CGI shots in this movie were very boring. And I think a lot of, a lot of me is spoiled because of what I saw in Top Gun Maverick and all that was almost done practically. About 95% of that movie is done practically and it makes this movie look like chump change, like nothing, you know, and we've advanced so far in technology and the fact that that looks bad in terms of a visual presentation of a film. And you look at something like Top Gun Maverick, which was done old school, but yet looks so futuristic and so modern. Like that's, that's crazy. Um, you know, I, I think the good lessons that everyone should take from Top Gun Maverick is the way action's done, and it's done practically. If you can do it with planes in the sky, jets in the sky, you can do it with cars or, you know, big semi-trucks. Uh, I don't know, with trains, that's that's another thing. But you even look to something like uh, Unstoppable. That's not so far back. That's from, like, 2010, I believe. That was a movie with Chris Pine and Denzel Washington, and they're on a train, and it looks more realistic than what I saw in Bullet Train, where it just looked completely cartoonish and CGI'd completely. And maybe that's what they were going for, but if, if that's what they were, if that was the intention, then of course it was going to fall flat for me. So I don't know. So I, I'm bummed that I didn't like this movie because I wanted to, and again, you know, that just goes to show that I'm not completely biased when it comes to stuff like that. Like people could say like, oh yeah, it, it has Brad Pitt. It has a guy you like. You're going to like the movie. No, it doesn't, that doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily the case. So, and it wasn't with this movie. I, yeah, like I said, I don't like it. I probably rated from one to four stars. I'd probably rated it two and that's two and a half probably would have had it be a recommendation. But again, I thought even though I liked a majority of the cast in this movie, like Brian Tyree Henry, I mean, the guy from Atlanta, come on, like that guy is hilarious as shit, but I don't know, just the material in this movie and what they were working with, it just uh, it didn't turn out the way I wanted to, and that sucks. And uh, that's going to wrap up the summer movie season for me. It's going to be a while until I'm invested in something again. I'll probably do an episode of, of what I'm looking forward to in the fall. Probably the next movie that I really want to see and I know I, I put in an ad here for the movie Beast comes out August 19th with Idris Elba. I'll, I mean, I'll probably check that out. But in terms of stuff that I'm like really excited for, probably the next thing is going to be uh, Don't Worry Darling from director Olivia Wilde. And it's got Florence Pugh and Chris Pine and Harry Styles. And that looks like a cool character, kind of like wacky, like what the hell's going on type of thing. Those are movies that are right up my alley. And especially if you present a good cast. So I'm looking forward to that, but that's not going to be till mid, late September. So it's going to be a little bit of a dry spell here, but luckily there's some stuff on the horizon. And again, I'll do that in a future episode where I'll preview what I'm looking forward to in the fall as we almost wrap up here, the year 2022, and we just keep pushing on ahead. But that's this week's movie review. 
bullet train. Go check it out for yourself. Again, I always say judge the movie for yourself. And again, if you like it, great, awesome for you. But you're not going to change the way how I experienced the movie and I didn't enjoy it. So unfortunately, I cannot recommend it this week. So that's going to do it. And uh, let's take one more final break. When we come back, we'll talk about the huge news that dropped this week in the streaming world. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. Oliver? How's it going My mom always wanted to take me to England. There's a wedding coming up. You should come. Uh, Evie, this is our host, Walter Dodo. Looking forward to getting to know you better. I can't shake the feeling that everyone is staring at me. Where are the bride and groom? There has been someone missing from this tale. To Evie, my new bride. I want to go home. This is your home. The invitation only in Peter's August 26th. Welcome back to the show, folks. And let's get into the final topic of today. It's a big story that's been flooding Twitter over the last couple of days, and that is the cancellation of the Batgirl movie from the new Warner Brothers Discovery Corporation. Everything's merged, right? It's it's hard to keep track these days. So Warner Brothers and Discovery have merged into one company, and it's all tied together with HBO Max and all that stuff. So HBO Max had different leadership in place and they had all these projects going on. And it looks like the new leadership over at Warner Brothers Discovery has a clear vision in mind of what they want their company and specifically what they want DC on film to look going forward. And apparently they didn't like what they had seen from the Batgirl movie, but where this is drawing a lot of criticism from a lot of people online is that the movie was basically complete already at a $90 million budget. But, you know, and I hate to take the side here of Warner Brothers Discovery because I'm all about creative freedom and, and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, and I know this is hard for people to comprehend, and, you know, I, I'm someone that's in a position of high management and, and leadership you know you have to remember that this is a business that you're dealing with here and you have to put out stuff that's for the best interest of your company now yes you can bark at warner brothers and say like oh well, you've released all this other crap like justice league in 2017 and you know on and on and on with so many different things but this is new leadership, folks, and whoever's in charge here has got a clear view of what they want, and they want quality product. And whatever it is that they saw of this Bad Girl movie, again, none of us have seen it, so we don't know. We can't say. The people in charge have seen what has been produced, and if they thought that it was good enough, they would have released it. But the fact that this was also not going to be a theatrical event, and they weren't really going to make a profit from it, Sure, scrap it off. If you can, you know, I mean, I feel bad for the actors and the creators, but also if they got paid and all that stuff, like, then I don't feel too bad, you know? And this is someone that, I mean, I love to act, I love to write, and, you know, this makes me sound harsh and, and you know, just soulless, but I, I just like to look at it from both sides. Like, yes, it sucks for them, like, and I feel bad, and and, and I would hope that this doesn't, you know, deter them from getting future work elsewhere or even still there at Warner Brothers. They even put out like this has nothing to do with, you know, the actress who I think her name is uh, Leslie Grace, who's going to play the title role of, of Batgirl. You know, you had Michael Keaton returning as Batman. Um, 
you know, Brendan Fraser as a villain. So you had credible names in this movie, but I'm sure, you know, whatever it is that they test viewed and saw, like they probably didn't like what it looked like. And, and, you know, the reason that this is getting like also a lot of backlash and let's be honest here, it's because it's a comic book property. And yes, we know that that's what is driving pop culture these days, but you know, if this were any other movie, if this were like bullet train, if they had shelved it, like, would you have cared as much? Would you have been throwing a fit as much? Or even something lesser known, like let's say where the crawdads sing, right? It's got really a relatively unknown cast or whatever. Let's say they just shelved it and we never saw it. Would you really be as mad as you were had it not been a comic book movie? And I think that's what a majority of it is, is that you all just want the content, you know? And you, and you all say like, oh, it can't, the movie can't be that bad. Well, how do you fucking know? You haven't seen it. The executives and everybody in charge at Warner's have seen it. And they didn't like what they saw. I'm sure like it wasn't just one person's decision. I'm sure it was like it went through a majority of channels there. And I'm sure the consensus they came to was that this is not what we're looking for in our vision for the future. Uh, and I know there's there's criticism also because we got a Flash movie coming out. And we got a star in it in Ezra Miller that's causing a lot of controversy outside of the work right you know you can read up on that i won't go into that in detail but it's pretty bad but that is still scheduled to release and it's not scrapped or shelved that we know of yet Um, but that that is also going to be a theatrical release and you know whether you want to admit it or not that has buzz around it and also you know early word is that the movie's actually good um and that could turn a profit for Warner Brothers. They see more of the pros in that than the cons. Like, yeah, they can deal with the con of people not wanting Ezra Miller around. And I'm sure, like, they'll have discussions about him not returning ever again after that once the movie's released. But tell me you're not going to go see that Flash movie if it does release. Like, come on, let's not kid ourselves. That movie's going to make a profit regardless. I don't think you'll have a mass riot of of backlash and protesters not wanting to see this, you're going to see it. It's a comic book movie. Y'all eat all of this content shit up, like regardless of how you feel personally. So, so sometimes don't let your feelings get in the way of business. So again, I'm, I'm trying to see it from both lenses here. Okay. Again, I feel for the creators and I'm all about creative freedom, but also it's a business. And if you're turning in something that's not good, like, I'm sorry, but they have every right. It's their corporation that that's on the line here. And this goes to show you that I think there's just too much content out there, especially in the streaming world. And yes, people are starting to fear like, oh, they're, they're getting rid of everything. No, they're not getting rid of everything. They're getting rid of stuff that's not being viewed as much. So I don't agree. I, I agree with that. Like if your content on your platform's not being, um, viewed and, 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 you know, bringing any type of subscribers or anything like that. Like, yeah, get it off the platform. Make way for the stuff that is actually worth viewing and, and, and good content. So the way that they've scrapped some of these movies off of the platform, it's stuff that just hasn't, hasn't done anything for the service. And I don't blame them from that. It's a business decision. It's nothing personal. And everybody online has taken it more as a personal attack. Oh, they don't care about movies. They don't care about that. But also guys, you know, you got good quality content matters, you know. We can't just have movies for the sake of movies. Like, it, it has to be good stuff. And I think this is a good business strategy, I think. I think it's going to pay off in the long run because they're thinking more about theatrical and actually putting out quality stuff. Is it all going to land? Absolutely not. Nobody's perfect. But 
it's a good strategy. Like, let's say they make this next whatever Joker movie that they just announced, right? The Joker sequel with Joaquin Phoenix and, and Lady Gaga. Yes, the first movie made a billion dollars, so that's probably why that automatically got attention and greenlit for a sequel because business-wise, hell yeah, like that makes sense, right? The first one made a billion dollars. Why wouldn't you make another one? Everybody went to go see it, so that's smart. But I'm sure if like, you know, they had gotten like whatever filmmaker to do this and it ends up being crap, like they could scrap it and say like, this is not what we're looking for. But the fact that they're retaining Todd Phillips, they're retaining the, you know, good creators. And I'm not saying Todd Phillips is the end all be all or like the best like director or anything like that. But that first Joker movie was pretty decent, got nominated for Oscars, got Joaquin Phoenix an Oscar, made a billion dollars for the company. Like, duh, like, don't be mad at them that they're going to make another movie uh, with that character, even though Joker's kind of been overkill in pop culture a little bit, at least on the big screen. So you can huff and puff all you want about this Batgirl movie. And I'm sure you're mad because all you really care about, honestly, is seeing Michael Keaton return as Batman. But you're going to get that in the Flash movie. So that's what you're really mad about. It's not really like, oh, like they don't care about creativity. And I shut up. Like, just stop it. Like, you're you're being a mark. That's what you're being. You're being an absolute mark. And sometimes you have to look at it from business side of things. And if you've never been in a position to make that, you know, where you're making those decisions based on business and what's best for the building or whatever, the corporation or whatever it is that you're in. If you've never been in that type of position, like you cannot speak on that. There are some decisions that sometimes I got to make that are hard, but it's part of business. Like it's, you know, that's at the end of the day, that's what it is. This isn't high school. This isn't, you know, it's the real world, you know, and sometimes stuff like that has to be done. And it's at least, you know, they're at least standing their ground with it, right? Like ninety million dollars on a on a basically completed movie, like that takes a lot of balls to just say, "Not nah, scrap, we're not doing it." Like I'm sure there's something in there that they all saw that was like, "No, this is this is probably going to get bad reviews, or even worse, it's just going to be ignored." And we invested ninety million, like that's not nothing, but you know, it, it's basically a waste. So. I don't know. I, I see it from both sides, and hopefully, everyone that's bitching online about it like can can see it from that side too. And again, if you've never been in a position where you have to make decisions like that for what's best for business, then you really have no reason to talk. Again, I'm not against creators. I love the artistic process. I love you know people getting the opportunities to do their stuff out there. But again, quality matters, and it's a business, so you know it is what it is. Had this been a theatrical thing, okay, maybe you can question it a bit more because it's like, okay, well, let's see what the audience thinks. But the fact that this was going straight to HBO Max and on the platform and a streaming service, like, maybe they saw the, the, that the upside wasn't going to be like, maybe we were probably not going to get a lot of subscribers for this. You know, you look at something that they did with like Zack Snyder's Justice League where in the end that didn't really drive a lot of business anyway. It was more of an online thing and that ended up being true. And like, I'm sure that factored in, you know, like maybe let's see if, uh, that hysteria will bring more subscribers and it didn't like, and the Snyder bros need to really be honest with themselves about that as much as they like that vision that that director was doing, but business wise, it wasn't making any sense for the platform or the company. So I don't know. It's a touch, touchy subject right now, but 
again, I see both sides of it, and that's my take on that. If you like it or hate it, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's my opinion. But that's going to do it for tonight's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's it's great being back and being able to do these episodes for you. I'm so happy to talk about all the things pop culture. It just makes me really happy on the inside. Um, you can find this podcast on Spotify. Search Palace Off the Top Rope. Hit that follow button. I would greatly appreciate it. I do share this podcast link through my social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through podbean.com. You can download the Podbean app and listen through there. A lot of you are big Apple users. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave me that five-star review so I could try to grow in ranking. Still trying to grow this thing. I know it probably won't be by much, but hey, any rating helps. Any comments helps. Uh, constructive criticism, I'm all about it. I'm all for it, man. Like I can, I can take it as much as I can dish it. So, and you have to have that thick of skin, and if you're going to play this game of podcasts and putting your voice out there in the world, so thank you guys so much. Um, I did an episode, my season three premiere of my 90s films turn 30 series. I did Stop or My Mom Will Shoot with Sylvester Stallone and Estelle Getty. That episode is out now. You can listen to it. Um, you know, you can revisit it or you can watch the movie and then listen to that. Or if you just want to listen to the podcast and hear me revisit on an old 90s movie as I do in that series, uh, just go ahead. I appreciate any listens. And there'll be more episodes of that coming soon. There's going to be a lot of episodes right as I try to catch up because we're already more than halfway through the year. And then, of course, uh, I was back last week with my first episode since May. So you can take a listen to that. All of these episodes are available now, including this one, which I'll have up for you in just a bit. So thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. God bless. And we'll catch you on the next one.